man's uh, God-given nature that has been twisted or warped by the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden. It is the flesh that causes men to behave in compulsive and sinful manners as man is controlled by his besetting sin or addiction. Now, you're in the book of Romans. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. We just looked at Romans 7. Look at uh, Romans chapter 8, if you would. And verses 1 through 8, uh, there's a lot there, but let's just jump down to verse number 5. Romans, one, eight, Romans 8, 1 through 8, but in verse number 5, he says... For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So he describes here, whether you have been made spiritually alive or not, there's a fact the matter is, is you can live after the flesh or you can live after the spirit. There is a choice that you make, and we're talking about overcoming, and we want to overcome this flesh and make the choice to follow the Spirit. Every man has a flesh, and the flesh in and of itself is wicked. Uh, Look at verse number 8 in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 8. He says, so then, I'm sorry, so then they that that are in the flesh, what are the last three words? Cannot please God. It's impossible for us, if we are living after the flesh, if we're living simply to fulfill and meet the desires and the expectations that this body wants, to be also pleasing God. Because what we have to do is we have to put our personal, these desires that we have in check, in line with the Spirit of God. And we're going to dig into that a little bit more. Um, So... (coughs) He says, uh, how do you gain victory in the battle between the spirit and the flesh? There's your next blank there, the spirit and the flesh. How do you gain victory in the battle between the spirit and the flesh? You can have victory. Victory is available to you. Victory is possible. We can gain victory. It's available. But you know what? I believe that there are many, many Christians who have come to the place where they just simply... For lack of a better way of stating it, they've just given up. They just say, it's impossible for me to live that kind of spiritual life. It's just, that's just, I just can't do it. And so I'm just going to be what I am, and here I am, and this is who I am, and whatever. They've just given up. Because they have not come to the place where they start to experience victory, and they start being led by the Spirit, and they see God working in their lives, and so they just continue to be led by the flesh. But I want you, what, the key that I want you to get as we talk about this lesson of overcoming the flesh is that it is possible. It is possible. It's a lie of Satan that you can't do it, that your flesh is too strong, that you can't get the victory. It is possible. How do you do it? Well, the Bible uh, states that we are to be several things with regards to the spirit here. Now, I've reorganized these. I'm a very logical thinker, and in my mind, I'm saying, let's just let's look at these biblically uh, in the way that they appear in the Bible. So I'm going to give them to you in biblical order, not the order they're in your notes. Uh, so if you're in the book of Romans, actually Romans chapter 8, you can look at verse number 27. So I want you to see that, first of all, we're supposed to have the mind of the Spirit, Romans 8, 27. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind 
of the Spirit. We are to have the mind of the Spirit. We're to be led by the Spirit to know and be thinking like the Spirit of God would have us think. Uh, secondly, Galatians. We have Galatians 5, verse number 16. This is a familiar passage of Scripture. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So there's another blank for you. Walk in the Spirit. We are to walk in the Spirit. Uh, and if you're walking in the Spirit, he says, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is a promise of God. That if we're walking in the Spirit, we're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. That flesh that you feel you can't get victory over, that's too strong, that keeps pulling you down. Well, if we're walking in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The problem is, is we're not walking in the Spirit. We're not. You know what uh, you have to do? Your appetite, your desire... Your ambition to walk in the Spirit has to be greater than your appetite. Your ambition, your desire, what you want has to be greater than your appetite. Now, let's just apply that to something very basic uh, and and fundamental like a diet. I, I want to lose weight. Guaranteed weight loss program, don't eat. Okay? Uh, that's, that's the facts. Um, here's the thing. Many times my appetite is greater than my ambition to lose weight. And therefore, I'm not winning the battle to lose weight. Why? Because my appetite is too strong. Your ambition, your desire to walk in the Spirit has to be greater than the appetite you're feeding. Whatever that physical appetite is, whatever that desire is, not just, not just food, it might be something sensual, it might be something worldly, it might be something uh, you know, visual, it might be something, you know, whatever that appetite is, your desire to overcome it has to be greater than the appetite. And God can give you that. Maybe what you need to do is pray, God, get, increase my desire to overcome this. God, help me to do that. So we see we're to walk in the Spirit. We're to live in the Spirit, Galatians 5.25 and Galatians 2.20. 5.25 is, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's the fact of the matter is when we're talking about living uh, in and through the power of the Spirit, it's not something that we're doing. It's the Spirit of God that enables us to overcome this. Living in the Spirit. It's not us, but it's Christ that liveth in me. We're to be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. Does anybody know that verse? (coughs) Ephesians 5.18. And be not drunk. With wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I know you knew it, just a lot of times the address is hard. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. We're to be filled with the Spirit. We are to pray in the Spirit, Ephesians 6.18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We're to pray in the Spirit. We are to worship God in the Spirit, Philippians 3.3. 3. 
For we are the circumcision which worshipped God in the Spirit. Philippians 3.3. 3. And we're to love in the Spirit. Colossians 1.8. Who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Now, beloved, God has given us... God has given us a divine order that needs to be followed if we're going to have victory in this area of our life. The fact is, the matter is, is that you have a spirit and the spirit is supposed to be in control. The spirit is supposed to be in the driver's seat. Um, Now, I had somebody ask me a few weeks ago to address this diagram again to talk a little bit more about uh, this, the fact that we as Christians are a trichotomy. Would you look at First Thessalonians? I want you to put right in your notes right here by the Spirit, soul, and body. I want you to write First Thessalonians 5.23. First Thessalonians 5.23. Then I would like you to turn to that passage of Scripture. First Thessalonians 5.23. So I've taught on this a little bit, uh, touched on it briefly in some weeks ago, but I think that it's important. Do you have that diagram, uh, Larkin's diagram? He's going to throw that up for us. Understanding this can help you to understand um, how to have victory, uh, how to be led by the Spirit. In 2019, I preached a three-part series, I believe it was on a Sunday morning, uh, on the state of man. And every man is in one of three states. You are either a natural man, a spiritual man, or a carnal man. These are the three states that men are found in in the scripture. The natural man, the spiritual man, or a carnal man. The natural man in 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. For, for he cannot know them because they are spiritually discerned. He has no spiritual discernment. He has not been made spiritually alive. He is a natural man. He is still spiritually dead. Now, if you're in First Thessalonians 5.23, I want you to see the fact of the matter is that God made us a trichotomy, that is, with a body, soul, and spirit. And we see them all three mentioned here. First Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you three, the three parts of man are mentioned right there. And we see those mentioned in their diagram here. You have the body, the soul, and the spirit. This is a diagram by Larkin. His name's down here. It's just really tiny because it's handwritten. Uh, this was, these were produced, I, I don't know, probably in the 50s, maybe, maybe older. Uh, Larkin has a whole bunch of Bible charts, very detailed, great uh, information available, and you can order his whole book online. But uh, <clears throat> if you're interested in it, the body, the the outward part, the body, the, the 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 diagram out here. This is how we interact with the world. This is how the world impacts us. We just over we just taught on overcoming the world. So living spiritually, living victoriously by overcoming the world. So the body interacts. You see the five senses are listed up there uh, that we have. The body, the sight, smell, hearing, taste, and touch. Those are down here. But he also wrote down there the fact that it is the eye gate. It's the, the nose gate, the ear gate, the mouth gate, the, the uh, feeling gate. So touch. These are the ways that the world impacts us from outside. If we're going to live victorious as Christians, we've got to overcome the world, that influence from outside, that the body, those, those five senses are there. Now, we know that the body is just a vessel. The body is a vessel that holds 
who you are. Uh, we say this all the time, especially when we're dealing or trying to comfort a loved one. To be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. So to be absent from the... What is he saying? He's saying that your soul and your spirit, the real you, is no longer in the vessel. This vessel, this body, this house, the Bible talks about some people uh, hold their vessel unto honor and some to dishonor. He's saying they use this vessel, some people to honor, to bring honor and glory to God, and some people to dishonor because this vessel that we live in, the body that we have, can be both. Then we see the soul. The soul is the real you. This is the, the second place here. This is where the battle takes place in the soul. In the soul, this is your individuality. This is what makes you, you. Um, in the soul contains, there's three parts to the soul as well. And that is the mind, the will, and the heart. And that's what he's addressing here in the diagram. Uh, he has it, the spirit, soul, and body. We have this mind, will, and heart. Uh, your, the mind is your imagination, it's your memory, it's your reason, the wisdom that you have, the ability to understand, that's a mind. Your will is your desire, your motivation. And then the heart of man, that is your emotions, your affections, your conscience, those aspects of the soul. This is the real you, and this is where the battle takes place in here. He has these written down here, the imagination, the conscience, your memory, reason, and affections. This is part of your soul. And uh, then you have the spirit. The spirit, of course, is not seen. The spirit is what gives us God consciousness. It allows us to be aware of God. The spirit is made alive when we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, sin... Uh, Wherefore, as by one man's sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. When Adam sinned, death passed upon all men, and all men after that sinned. Death passed upon all men. Now, we know that they began to die immediately. They began to die physically. No longer were men going to just live. Uh, the, the physical death was part of the curse. They were going to die, and they began to die physically. But... They died spiritually immediately. Uh, as soon as they sinned, they, they died spiritually. Um, in Genesis 2.17, he says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest, therefore thou shalt surely die. So when God was giving Adam and Eve instructions in the garden, saying, okay, here's the garden of all the trees of the garden you can freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for the day that you eat of it, you're going to die. And they began to die physically, but immediately they died spiritually. Only through salvation is a man given new life spiritually. Ephesians 2.1, we looked at this earlier. And you hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sin. Quickened, uh, what does quickened mean? Aware, um, I'm looking for a particular word. To be made alive, quickened. Um, that's a, kind of a, a definition of that, to be quickened, to be made alive, to be, to be made conscious of this idea of God giving us life. So th we see that this, <coughs> the natural man, does not have, has not been spiritually awakened. But you have the spiritual man, 
This is somebody who's come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. His spirit has been made alive through the new birth. Through the new birth, through coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is what we're talking about in this lesson. When we're talking about being led by the spirit. This part of our body that's been made alive. Um, John 3, 6 and 7 says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. The spiritual man is all those things that we just talked about earlier, right up in your list here. We said you're to be walk in the spirit, live in the spirit, filled with the spirit, pray through the spirit, worship in the spirit, love in the spirit. All those things. The spiritual man does those things. That's what a spiritual man is. And this is what this lesson is talking about, being led by the spirit. So you have, we talked about it before, on the outside here, you have the world, that outside influence is trying to impact you. That's trying to direct you, to get you to do all kinds of things. But you also have, uh, from within, you have your carnal nature. You have your own flesh, your own desires that are trying to impact you. And the battle takes place in the soul. When we're supposed to be controlled by the spirit, but we want to be controlled by the body, the battle takes place here in the soul. Does that make sense? Now, let me ask, is there any questions about this, there are several people that had questions about the diagram, or we're looking for a little bit more insight into it. Um, is there any questions re- regarding that or that struggle that takes place that we see in the scriptures? I hope I gave you enough Bible for that to be evident. Okay, so <coughs> the last state of man that I dealt with, which is really in contrast to today's lesson, is the carnal man. And that is a man that has been made spiritually alive, but he's living like he's spiritually dead. So that's the carnal man. It's not anywhere in your notes. Um, But we've been made spiritually alive, but we're living like we're spiritually dead. That is, we're being controlled by the flesh, like the natural man is, because he hasn't been made spiritually alive. So we're living our lives through the flesh instead of the spirit. That's what a carnal man is. In 1 Corinthians 3.11, he says, And brethren, I um, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. The carnal man has been made spiritually alive, but he lives like he's spiritually dead. And uh, so a carnal man is somebody that has no spiritual strength. Usually they're very easily offended um, because they have no walk with God. They're not walking in the spirit. So they're walking in the flesh. So the spiritual battle, you'll see in your notes there now, the spiritual battle occurs in man's soul. The Bible guides the believer to make spiritual decisions. To make spiritual decisions. So there's your next blank. To make spiritual decisions. The spiritual battle occurs in man's soul, and the Bible guides the believer to make spiritual decisions. We see that the word of God, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God is what directs us. So what we're talking here about being able to live directed by the spirit is you have to get these three things in order inside of your soul, inside of the soul, is all three of these things, the will, the mind, and your emotions, and they have to be in order. If you're going to be directed by God, you have to control 
your will, mind, and emotions. You have to have those in the right order. Um, our will should control our mind. You'll see that right underneath the, the will, and there's an arrow, and then the mind, and then emotions. Um, that's the direction it's supposed to go. It's supposed to be will, mind, emotions. Our will should control our mind. Our mind, which is controlled by our will, should control our emotions. That's how it should be. And ultimately, our will should be controlled by the Spirit. He has the Word of God here, but the, the Word of God, the Spirit of God. The spiritual man will search the Scriptures and be directed by the Spirit of, of God. Responding primarily to life's problems with or through your emotions causes your life to be unstable or uncertain. We can't respond through emotions. How many of you know that your emotions are vulnerable? It is the most vulnerable part of your life. Your, your emotions are impacted by whether the sun is shining or not. You can, you can uh, get ready to go outside and find out, <coughs> oh man, it's raining. And it impacts your emotions. It impacts how you feel. Your emotions are so easily swayed. Uh, this is why there are many churches that their, their, their goal and their desire is to move you emotionally. Because if they can move you emotionally, you feel like you had an experience. But if it doesn't change your heart, it didn't do anything for you. It is the Spirit of God, it is the Word of God that's quick and powerful. And that is what changes the heart of man. I mean, how many of you have watched a movie, and in the movie, you're, you're watching, and in the course of 30 minutes, you both laughed and cried? That's how easily our emotions are swayed. And the, the problem is, is a very large segment, I don't know about the rest of the world, but I know that here in America, that by and large, people are controlled by their emotions, which is why road rage is so popular, because people cannot control their emotions. They, somebody cuts them off, bam, the emotions kick in, and that wasn't right, and their emotions dictate their will, their will dictates their actions, and next thing you know, there's a chase going down I-83, 695. Why? Because they're controlled by their emotions. That's how people are controlled today, but Christian, we're not supposed to be that way, and if you want to have victory in your life, you can't be that way. Living by your emotions is a rough way to live. I believe that in today's world, many of the mental problems that we have are rooted in the inability to cope with both positive and negative emotions. I believe that's a fact because people do not know how to cope with their emotions. Their emotions are dictating and controlling their life instead of the other way around. And so their, their life is a roller coaster. Their life is chaos because their emotions are so uh, up and down. Living by one's emotions can lead to very poor physical health. Your emotions impact you physically. This is proven. This is, this is not Bible. This is, just, this is just science. That when people live by their emotions, what happens when somebody is dictated by their emotions? You take a 21-year-old girl, <coughs> and uh, she's interested in a young man. Young man calls up and says, hey, I've decided I'm no longer interested in you. Uh, I'm going to look somewhere else. And what is the age-old uh, illustration or example of how she deals with that? She goes home 
and she gets a half gallon of ice cream. She sits down, <laughs> she sits down on the couch and just has a, a you know, she's just eating uh, away her pain, right? She's just like, nothing in the world matters. I know I'm fat, but it doesn't matter because he doesn't love me. I'm just going to just, she's just, I mean, that's not even necessarily sinful, but her emotions are dictating her actions. And many today go far beyond that, and they turn to drugs and alcohol to give them escape from the pain of their emotions because they're controlled by their emotions and their emotions are dictating their life and it's such a battle or struggle. I can tell you this is very, very important for us as believers to realize and put emotions in their proper order. Um, Responding to life's problems primarily through the mind causes you to be proud or sinful. Through the mind. You, you get the idea or ambition. There are some very disciplined people that uh, don't know the Lord, but they live a disciplined life. And sometimes they even practice what would be biblical principles and how they handle things. Uh, and some people just say, well, they just don't have any emotions. They're just dead, right? They're just, they, if, they, if they had any emotion, they would be that way. But they're disciplined and they do live their life by their will, and their will is going to dictate what they want. But a lot of times people do it through their mind. I'm going to, it's will over matter, this mindset today that, hey, uh, I'm just going to will it to be so. I'm just going to make it so because I've got such a strong mind, and that leads to pride. I did this. I've accomplished this. This is something that I can do because I have the ability to do that. And uh, responding to life's problems primarily through the spirit by yielding to the will of God results in right decisions. And you got to make up your mind to put these things in the proper order. Don't make decisions based on what you think is right. That is with the mind. In your mind, you say, oh, I'm going to do this because this is what I think is right. Don't make decisions based on what you feel is right. Because our emotions are swayed all the time. And sometimes you feel this is the right thing to do. And tomorrow you'll feel it, it was a different thing to do. You've got to live your life by biblical principles that dictate your will, that control your mind and emotions. Uh, Obey the God's commands and you will make wise choices. Now, he's put a little diagram here. As I said, that the uh, Bible, the Word of God, the Spirit of God is supposed to be in the driver's seat. And you have the will, the mind, and emotions that are led by that, that are pulled by that. Uh, Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. We see that Jesus is our example here. And I've got to uh, hurry because I want to get halfway through this lesson <coughs> in the next about six minutes. Um, so uh, Jesus is our example. He wanted something, but he yielded his will to the Father, Jesus Christ himself. In this familiar passage, Matthew 26 and verse number 37, he says here, um, let me see, am I in 37? Matthew. So in verse number 38 here, he says, Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further, and he fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Now, this is a familiar passage of Scripture, but Jesus uh, going to the cross, his desire, his flesh said, you know what? I don't want to go through that. 
That's not really something that I'm looking forward to enduring. That's not something that I, I, on second thought, Lord, Father, that's not really what I would like to do. I mean, as we evaluate this, I'm thinking that's going to be kind of painful. I'm thinking that's going to hurt an awful lot. I don't even know if I'll be able to do it. Lord, would you, would you let this pass for me? And he says, but nevertheless, let my will be subject to your will. Not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. Jesus is our example, and that's how we're to live if we be led by the Spirit. We have desires, we have ambitions, we have things that we would want to do, but, but being led by the Spirit is saying, okay, I'm going to turn over my will to the Father's will. I'm going to let the Father lead. When Jesus, why did Jesus sweat great drops of blood? Because he was experiencing a battle of surrendering his will to God. Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are. He dealt with this, this struggle of yielding to the Father. But he did it. And we can do it. His will was then control, controlled his mind and his emotions. And then his body was able to do what God wanted him to do. He turned his will over to the Father. The Father did not say, okay, you, you don't have to do that. He knew he was still supposed to do that. And he was able to get his body to do what God wanted him to do. God the Father wanted him to do. Uh, surrendering our will obviously is a struggle, but here is where the battle takes place. It's been said that this battle is the only one that you win by surrendering. This battle, because we don't yield to ourselves, we surrender to the Father's will. When you surrender to the Father's will, it's the only battle you win. But there's a struggle, there's a battle, an internal battle within yourself, between your flesh and your spirit. Well, you win when you surrender, when you surrender to the Father. This is the point of impact. This is the turning point in the battle. This is the place where you, where you see victory and the possibility of it when you surrender to the Father's will. When you say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do that, and you give your will to God. You've got to surrender to the will, and he has listed several things here. Uh, you must surrender to his will in your trials, 1 Peter 3.17, for it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. How many of you know that people in the world suffer? If you, go, if, if, if you get called to the hospital today and have to go to the hospital because of something, injury or stomach ache or whatever... How many of you know that the very large majority of people in the hospital probably aren't saved? They're probably not what they would even say are, are Christians. What I'm saying is people in the world suffer too. People, it's not just us, it's not just the Christian. It rains on the just and the unjust, the Bible says. When it rains and we get a flash flood here in Cockeysville, it didn't just rain up here on the hill at Hunt Valley. It, it rained all over. There's trees all, all down Ashland Road. There's trees down, and there's trees down Cuba Road. It's inconvenient for everybody. It rains on the just and the unjust. But he says, hey, listen, it's far better that you would endure suffering doing the will of God than for doing evil. What a much better uh, outcome. You must surrender to his will in calling and purpose, in your calling and your purpose. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.1 there. I think these are blanks. Are those blanks? Yeah, calling. So we have your calling and purpose. Um, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. God has a plan for you. He has a will for you. You surrender to that will, whatever a calling is, and you just surrender and yield to him. You must surrender completely to his will. For 2 Corinthians 8, verse number 5. 
And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. They gave everything. They surrendered it all. We need to surrender completely to the will of God. This is where the battle is won through surrendering. You must be separated from the world, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, we've talked about this as we talked about overcoming the world. And this is the aspect of it where you surrender and separate from the world. You must have patience to allow the will of God to be fulfilled in your life, Hebrews ten thirty six. For ye have need of patience. After that you have done the will of God, ye must receive the promise. So you have patience. Uh, <laughs> To, to go through or endure uh, whatever the will of God is for you. And you must abstain from sensual behavior, 1 Thessalonians 4. And it's pretty much the, the whole of the chapter there. You can read that, 1 Thessalonians 4. Abstain from sensual, uh, sensual behavior. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1, he says that you know how you ought to walk and to please God. There's a way that we walk and please God, and that's abstaining from sensual behavior. Verse number seven says, For God hath not called us unto uncleanliness, but unto holiness. So you abstain from that. Verses 13 through 18 give us the motivation for living a Christian Christ-honoring life. And the motivation there, if you know that, 1 Corinthians uh, 4, verses 13 through 18, those are familiar passages of Scripture that we use again at uh, when a funeral. Many times those are read. Uh, at, at a funeral, you remember what those verses contain? <coughs> it's too early in the morning for that. Um, the, that we, which are dead in Christ, are going to rise first, and those which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds. Th- th- that's what those passages of Scripture is talking about. That's the motivation. The motivation for why we would desire to live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, to do what God wants us to do. Because he's coming again. Because we're going to be caught up together in the clouds. Because we know that we are going to be with him and we shall see him. The battle of the flesh and the spirit cannot be won apart from submitting and yielding to God's perfect will for your life. And uh, we're going to stop stop there. We're a good halfway through this lesson. I broke it into two parts. I didn't knew I wasn't going to get it done. But we will conclude there this morning. I just want